Hello, listeners. This is Jim the Keys Bartender. How are you today? I'd like to thank all my new listeners. I know Anchor, and I hope my old listeners find me because they're probably looking for it. But, you know, if they are interested in hearing the drivel that I come out with, no. My stuff is gold. It's fucking gold, I'm telling you. Um, you know, but if they like it, they'll find it, right? That's what I think. But uh, I'd like to thank my new listeners. I finally have listeners in Ireland. What the fuck is that all about? You know? I mean, actually, someone downloaded a shitload of stuff from Ireland. I hope you spread it around. You know, I'm of some Irish ancestry. I think we were talking about it in the bar. Um, someone was mentioning, oh, I was at the party and they thought that these people were uh, talking about getting another passport, how they would get dual citizenship. And this one person wanted from Italy. And they did a 23andMe investigation, I guess one of those things you'd want to call that. And they discovered that they were mainly Nordic or a very small amount, like 10% Italian, where they thought because of their grandparents that they were 50% Italian. They went all the way down to 10%. And, you know, it's a funny thing about those. I'm not an expert. I know. I act like I'm an expert. But all I do, and I, I'm not... This is not a theory, but this is historically correct. People have moved across Europe in waves. If you heard about the Punic Wars or the Roman, back in Roman times, there was all different groups of populations were moving in and out of Italy as soon as, same as Greece, same as France. And they were coming from different parts of the world, mainly land parts, you know, except for maybe the Muslim uh, incursions into Spain and all the way up into France after, you know, after Muhammad, you know, started, you know, going, you know, when Islam started spreading. And then you had the Mongols coming out of the Eastern Europe. And then you had the Vikings, the Normans, and all these other groups of people that went all around the world, all these different people moved down there. So just because your family of origin originated in Italy doesn't mean that you're genetically Italian, but it also doesn't mean you're not genetically Italian. What is Italian other than speaking Italian, right? If your family comes from Italian and they were, let's say they were offspring of Norman knights that were, you know, where they invaded Sicily or northern Italy, or set up their little kingdoms. They were, you know, there's always, a, there was a history in Italy where they used mercenaries, mercenary armies to defend their city-states prior to uh, the formation of the nationalized Italian country of Italy. The country of Italy didn't even come about for less. It was less than 160 years old.
think the founder was Garibaldi. And we were talking about, well, you know, where are you from, blah, 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 blah. And, and it's funny, with 23andMe, you finally, people start realizing, you know, don't get all excited about where you're from. Because the people you're descended from could be from another place, too. Yeah, they moved around a lot, too. Maybe not so much the peasants, but warlords and, and mercenaries and raiding parties all over Europe. All over Europe. Yeah, the Mongols that went into Europe. My, my, I mentioned on previous shows that uh, I have a relative, I have a grandfather whose country of origin was Hungary. Now, the Hungarians were, prior to settling in Hungary, the, the Magyars were an Asian horse, uh, you know, horse culture. They were nomadic, kind of like the Mongols. And they made it to Hungary. They may have been pushed out because of the Mongols, you know, when they started rising. But they settled in Hungary. So they go, and the way they do 23andMe, they do whatever genetic, I guess, characteristics or genetic markers were present at 1000 AD in a certain geographic area, then that would be like, say, whatever the predominant characteristic, I hate to say, ethnicity or race because there is no scientific difference in race. There's only characteristics. There's only characteristics. So when they start saying people are from some place, you know, yeah, I could be from Hungary a, a quarter or 20% from Hungary, but those people are from Asia. But they don't really mark all the way back to Asia. They went back uh, to like 500 A.D., they might discover and say, well, you're you're 15% Asian. Yeah. And you go back further than that, you can say, well, you have a lot of African content. Yeah, just happens. Just one of those things. You just got to let it go. And when you're applying for a dual citizenship, it's your grandparents' country of origin or whatever they require, your parents' country of origin, depending if they need one or two parents uh, or two grandparents. Because like Ireland, even though I have Irish from both sides, my mother and father, who were thought they were half Irish, I guess, you know, they, they say 50% of our DNA comes from the British Isles and then the rest of it comes from all over. We'll get like I, Spain. We get a little from Spain and North Africa too. So it's interesting. It's interesting you, you think how people have it's kind of like it's kind of like the, using genetics to mark your background. It's kind of like looking at a ancient record of your location finder on your iPhone. It'll tell you every place you've been. If you don't take that GPS notice out. 
So this weekend, we had people from all over the world, if all over the world means South Florida. Right? And when we were coming back from the party we were at on the 3rd, and that's Abby and I, we were all the way down. And I told you about geographically how the Keys look. It's just a chain of islands, 43 islands. There's more than 43 islands and 43 keys. I mean, there's more than 43 islands in the Florida Keys. But the ones that are connected by bridge contiguously all the way down to Key West, that's 43. Okay? So, where the hell was going? Oh, yeah. So, we're on Key Largo, where the... One of the farthest north is there because there's a cross key too. And that's just to the east of the northern part of Key Largo, cross key, which goes to the mainland if you're taking the stretch. Or there's Cart Sound Road, and that's northern Key Largo, far northern Key Largo going across. And I, I don't know necessarily what that gets into when it gets on the land over there. I don't know what key that is. But Key Largo is the farthest one north. And where it goes, I have to say around 120. Um, if you take 905, because our our mile markers start at right when you cross over from the mainland. starts at 126. That's the northernmost part of the highway leaving the mainland. And then it ends at zero in Key West. But there's also, when you get all the way into Key Largo, you go about uh, 16 miles, six, no, 17 miles down the stretch. You get into Key Largo. You can make a left and you go further north. And there's another 18 miles up there, around 18 miles up until Ocean Reef. So, but we're at 102. And we were going down to 75. And during a holiday weekend, because we are a chain of islands connected by one main road. And that road is two lanes south of mile marker 90. Or mile marker 89 to be exact. And that's where the slowdown occurs. Oh, it slows down other places, but it almost always slows down on a daily basis at rush hour, coming, going in and coming out of work. And when the bridge opens, there's a bridge at um, a little south. It's at mile marker, I want to say 86. And there is a drawbridge. The only drawbridge right now in the Keys, I think. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's the only one. And on the top of the hour, they let boats through. So we're going down on a third. And, you know, it took us about an hour and 10 minutes to go. Normally, it would take us about 40 minutes, 35 minutes to get down there. It took us about an hour and 20, hour and 30 minutes. And it was well worth the ride because I told you we had a lovely time. But on the way back, after we, uh, you know, enjoy some fireworks and things like that, we're heading back tour and it was a little bit quarter after nine on a Sunday night 
and that was the busiest I've seen that road for a long time. When I first moved down here, they were doing road work on uh, the overseas highway. They were expanding it. I used to see it get backed up there for a year or two in 2007, 2008. I see it after a holiday weekend. It's just one of those things because you're shutting down one of the roads and everyone's going out one road and these holiday weekends. And they all decide to leave at the same time. And that's where the big backup occurs. Well, this was Sunday, the 3rd, and there was still, Monday was the 4th, yesterday. And I expected to, you know, 9.30 on a Sunday night, you never see that traffic. And we had, it was as if it was 5 in the afternoon. Five. And I'm not complaining about it. It's nice to have those people there, even though it didn't translate necessarily into restaurants. Um, but we're heading back, and we just, the wife and I were commenting how strange the whole thing felt. How surreal, driving back with all this traffic when it's dark at night. On, not necessarily on the holiday night, on the pre-holiday night. And... We pull up to one of our local watering holes. We're not going there. We're going past it, the whistle stop, and we see this truck. And it looks like there's a vehicle on fire. We see all this smoke, all this gray smoke. And we're thinking, oh, shit, something's on fire. Maybe that truck's on fire. Well, it turns out, we find out afterwards, the truck was burning rubber. I guess it was expressing... Itself, the guy, the driver was expressing himself saying, like, I'm going to get in fucking traffic. You better let me in. So it's doing all that. So we go past it. And don't you know the guy jumps behind us? And we're about 100, 150, 100 feet in front of it when it jumps in there. And it starts tearing ass up the road. And there's only two lanes. And it's coming close. It's coming really close. It was 10 feet away and it wasn't slowing down. It still had like 20, 30 miles on us, miles per hour, faster it seemed, coming so close. I had to pull off the side of the road. I had to pull off the side of the road. I couldn't tell by looking at it. I mean, I'm pretty much sure I would have had gotten a, uh, if the guy hit me from behind, I I, I don't know about the laws down here. I'm just hoping I... You know, you'd, he'd have to replace my car. And I was so kind of pissed off at the moment that someone would drive that aggressively in heavy traffic. Like, where are you going? We ended up following him. Well, we were following him because I pulled off the road, let two cars go by, got beyond, and I'm watching, and the guy stays on the road for another 10 miles. In the traffic. You got two car lengths in front of me. I mean, two cars in front of me. And I'm not one of those when someone gets in front of me, so what? You know, so what? But yeah, it's drive so aggressively with so much traffic. It's like, I don't get the point. So it's crazy. And then I was thinking about all the other crazy shit that I've seen down here. You know, not just down here, every place I've been late at night, 
on the roads. It's just one of those things. Rick James said it best. I think it was Rick James said, the freaks come out at night. Or maybe it wasn't. It could have been Chaka Khan. Years ago, when I was coming back from a heavy night drink, I wasn't ready to see this. I see someone in one of those bikes where you you pedal using your hands. And the guy was in a prone position, head first on a bike. And it was around 2.33 in the morning in northeast Philadelphia, near, on, on Frankfurt Avenue, if, if someone is familiar with the geography, in front of St. Dominic's Church, near Pennypack Park. It doesn't mean anything to you, but it was near my friend's apartment. I was going to crash there. We were out. And I see this guy slowly going up. And upon it, I said, well, it's kind of weird. It's a weird bike to see anyway if you saw someone riding a bike like that. It was just being back then. This was over, God, 25 years ago, 27 years ago. And don't you know, I'm looking closely at the guy. The guy, I hate to say it like this. I hate to say it, but I have I did know what pinheads were. Pinheads were people with the pointed heads. They've just had people with... It doesn't necessarily mean that they have... Or point, not pointed, they had smaller heads, small heads. And it doesn't necessarily mean that... I, I don't know if all pen, pinheads have any developmental disability but I can understand how you know it would be very tough for this guy to go out during a day and he's riding his bike his strange bike up the road in the middle of the night and on the road and then one other time so I thought that was odd I was in the back seat of a a car was getting a ride home from a, a local club, also in Northeast Philadelphia. And we were crossing a major highway uh, in the center. Of t- and it's kind of like a highway road, I guess you'd call it, because it was Route 1. And up in Philadelphia, in this part of Philadelphia, Route 1 was a 12-lane road, six lanes going south, six going north. And it was 2, 3, and uh, we were leaving after closing, I imagine. Maybe we used to leave at like one thirty or something like that so we can get to this after-hours club. Because if you didn't get to the after-hours club by 2 o'clock, they wouldn't let you in. Because they only, after hours, most clubs, they only stay open for another hour, sometimes two. But that's not hit it. So we're just, I'm just riding in the backseat of the car. And the person driving say, hey, check this out. And there's a little kid riding with the traffic signal, which I have to hand it to him, on a big wheel. On a big wheel. And I didn't see an adult. And I'm telling him, I say, hey, we got to pull over. And people like, we got to get to the... I go, come on, you got to pull over. There's a little kid. That that was pretty strange. I felt bad. I, I didn't hear it. I went next day I looked in the paper and all that stuff I didn't see anything about it now I wasn't hallucinating because I remember that distinctly it's one of those things 
Another time I'm coming back with some friends and and I go way back. This is 1981, 82. It could be the summer of 81 before my junior year. I mean, my senior year of high school. I think it may have been. And we were over a friend's house. I don't know what we were doing. But I'm driving my other friends back to their homes. And I think my Joe Simkowski was the guy's name. He was in the car with me. And we're driving by the 7-Eleven. And we see this blonde woman in this nice dress. And it was really late at night. And she looked pale and her hair was stringy. And she looked like she was hitchhiking. But we did not pull up or roll down the window or anything like that because there was something off about it. Because years later, whenever I, I picked up, I have picked up hitchhikers before. Mainly women, some men. But I have. I haven't done it recently. But, you know, people I know down here, I've, I've done it. You know, give it a ride. Where are you going? Okay, here. Give it. No. But this woman, we slowed down at the light. She comes up the car and she goes, thumb. She's going, I'm going that way. And I'm just looking forward. And my buddy Joe's in the passenger side. And he goes, drive, 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 drive. Because the lady's flipping him off. And finally, one of the weirdest things I've seen, I was in uh, I was in Denver, and I'm walking down the street, and I'm past a fast food restaurant. And I had a bit to drink. I had a bit to drink, but I wasn't, you know, it was funny in, in Denver because it was a summertime. I was at a convention. This is about 20 years ago. And I noticed the ground moving and I thought, oh my God, I must have drank too much because the ground is wavy and it's wavy. I'm looking behind this, this, this restaurant. And don't you know, as I get closer, it is hundreds and hundreds of rats climbing over each other. Freaked me out. It's a pretty weird thing to say. So I'm never, you know, it's funny after that incident with the truck, my heart was beating when I pulled off, I pulled off the road. And don't you know, a half hour later, it was already, I was out of it. I didn't even think about it. I didn't even think about making a mention on last week's podcast. I mean, last week, yesterday's podcast. So I guess that's a good thing. And letting things go on. Finally, I wanted to wrap up. I was talking to my father when I was coming back from the gym today. And we were talking about, because of the economic situation, people have to really, my father mentioned, they really have to delineate what's the difference between a want and a need. Now, a want could be a need. And, in, you know, a need, a need could be a want. But not all wants are needs. 
Like, do you want you want a boat? Do you need a boat? Do you need a, you know if you need a boat? If you're a fisherman, you need a boat. Or you're going someplace on the water, you need a boat. But otherwise, if you don't need it for your livelihood or to support your family, you don't need a boat. You don't need that earrings. You don't need that massage. You could want that massage. You could want that, but do you really need it? I mean, we base a whole economy on wants, wants. If it were, if our economy was based on needs, on needs, we'd be we'd see a lot of less choices, a lot less choices. It'd be like the old Soviet economy. There'd be one type of toilet paper. That's the only one you need. You don't want that. You know, you you may need it because you get a rash from the other stuff. Or soap. Dish detergent. I mean, there should be like one. I mean, some things you think there always should be one of. Like plastic gloves or rubber gloves. But, you know, you know there's 20 different brands. And so what, whenever I'm looking at around my house right now, I'm looking at mainly once. And then there's some needs, like there's a lamp. I need that. Now, you can question this computer, whether I need it to do the podcast or want it to do the podcast. Well, it's an old laptop. Someone else needed it. I got it from them. So, is this the one? I think I bought this one. This was a need we needed at the time. You need it for, well, you know, do you need a computer? Yeah, you can get it at the, you can always have access at the, at the library. So, that can't, that could be, that could be just a want on its own. That kind of blends over to a need. But then I have, I'm looking at Bluetooth speaker. I'm looking at business cards, charging station, cell phones, Chromebook, and then luggage over here. And my wife was telling me my daughter needed luggage, but I see two suitcases. And I'm thinking, why would you need luggage? Because I'm looking at two big suitcases here and a backpack. And I know she has another bag, too. I said, well, how many pieces of luggage? That's a, that's a want. All these toys, wants, no needs. Uh, battery for the uh, lawnmower that I'm charging here. That's a need if I want to, you know, because I want, I want, I like to cut the lawn in early in the morning sometimes. So I like to use electric. But you know what? As I look around, the house itself is a need. The type of house is a want. You need shelter. Shelter could be served from as basic as a tent. And go up to a mansion. According to your ability to afford it, I guess. So in these trial, trying times. Economically. He's like, I need, I need some. I had someone come in to the bar. And they were talking about the price of um, rent. How high rent went up down here and it corresponded with the real estate real estate went through the roof 
and rent follows eventually. And it's kind of like an arbitrary number, really, rent. Because they said, do you get that for rent? Do you need that for rent? You know, with the price of taxes and if your property is being evaluated, you may, may need to raise the rent. But do you need to raise the rent 100%? Did taxes go up 100%? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure of that. But this person comes in and they have a property on the mainland and they were renting down here and working. And they said they can't afford it. They can't afford the um, the rent. And they were in affordable housing. I think it went to 20, it went from 2000 to 2700 And these folks, I both see them out every night. I said, you know, if your money is an issue... I know one place where you could cut back. That's going out and drinking every day. Right? Because that's a want. You need you need to have housing. And you could have easily adjusted to that by just going drinking less, getting a bottle and going home if you need to do that. And you might find, yeah, you might find you have more resources then. I mean, they do have, they did have a house on the mainland. So I said, actually, do you need to work down here? Do you need to live down here? That's a want, not a need. The wife and I were trying to figure it out here. So we don't, we want to be here, but we don't need to be here. And there's some things that my wife thinks, well, it would be easier for us if we were someplace on the mainland that we wouldn't have to go for things. And I said, well, right now where we're employed, while we're employed here, it's more of a, a need to live here. I mean, I do know people that live on the mainland, but with the price of fuel and the amount of time that you use commuting and all that stuff, I think it quickly adjusts to, yes, it's more expensive to live down here, but then again, it would be more expensive if we lived up there and tried to commute down here in time and resources. And that's the same thing with vacations. Some people say, well, I need a vacation. I need a vacation. No, you want a vacation. Vacations are wants. You may need to use your vacation time to take over a familiar obligation. That's a need corresponding with a want if you actually want to go and take care of that obligation. And you want to call it a vacation. So that's you know, one of the times it corresponds. Or you have to take care of business while you're doing it. People do that all the time. They go, suddenly I get on a business trip, I'm going to bring the wife. They're taking a need and they're throwing in a want and saying, oh, we're going to be in San Francisco and the wife, when he goes to San Francisco, I might as well take her with me. I'm going for this meeting. Or husband going along with a wife. Her wife has a business. I, you know, I'm not, no stranger. I am no stranger to uh, realizing that women have every reason to go on business trips as guys. So, it's almost, it's almost like in, in personal relationships, want and need show up. It's not always economic, right? 
you want to go out with someone? Do you need to go out with someone? Maybe you need companionship. You need companionship. You need someone to love you. You need someone this. Uh, but the wrong person is more of a want. I want that person. Yes, I find them attractive. They're narcissistic and shallow and self-absorbed. Narcissistic, self-absorbed, the same thing. But they're also beautiful. I want that. Do you need that? You may even say you need that. But in the end, when you think like when a need is no longer needed, just like all those new cars or things like that that lose their new car smells and people end up selling them, they love them. They love them absolutely. When you buy new clothes, you get these, you put them on. I remember, I remember going to school for first day of school. I love putting on my new clothes, going to school. When I was younger, I love wearing new clothes. And then you get, you know, you get used to it. You go, it's not new anymore. Well, clothes are a need, but the kind of clothes you want, or the manufacturer or something, right, is a want. It all boils down. You can come back. My dad always said you could get you could get around eating rice and beans, buying a big bag of rice and a big bag of beans, and you get your protein. You get this, and you you know you got to get some vitamin C. You got to get some iron. Get all that stuff, and you could you know I, I sometimes once like I love steak. I absolutely love steak. I know you can't eat that every day. I remember I, um, if, you, if you're an avid listener, ever since my operation going on a year and seven months ago, year, year, seven, six and a half months ago, whatever, a year, six and a half months ago, um, I, I lost weight. I had that weight off for over a year. And now recently, um, putting back the weight and I'm going to the gym one thing I don't do is I don't watch what I'm eating and I've been eating a lot of snacks and a lot of sweets and I'm up 11 pounds not significant but you know I was at a stasis for like 216 everyone's saying you're getting skinny you're getting skinny matter of fact at the time I was getting you know getting skinny I was worried I was going the wrong direction I started taking whey protein after I worked out. You know, I'm in my 50s. No one takes whey protein. And I was eating plenty. And I'm thinking, ah, well, I'll do this whey protein. I'll do it to, you know, help me with the, you know, maintaining my muscle. Well, shit. In a matter of a month and a half. I'm holding for 216 for over a year and four or five months. And here I am. It's like my body just, the clock just went on and said, no, now you're putting on weight. And you can feel the back getting sore and stuff when I'm bartending, stuff like that. So my want of sweets and cake and bread and potato chips, all that shit, corresponded to my need to be healthy. 
conflicted. And they were incongruent. It's the same thing is. So now I got to think, oh, what am I going to do? I want to lose weight. I need to eat. But I, I don't need to eat dessert. So they can correspond as long as I get rid of one of my wants, which was sweets. And if I get rid of that want, my want of losing weight will most likely correspond to that. But I always had a hard time doing that before. That was interesting. And I think part of it is I lost weight when I was anxious. So whatever I'm doing now, I'm not anxious anymore. That may help me. uh, I don't lose the weight. Maybe the anxiety helped me lose the weight. Who knows? But I'm closely watching that. And I'm also, I want to try something. If I'm thinking about myself when I'm talking, when you talk to yourself, when you're trying to motivate yourself, what language do you use to speak to yourself? What pronoun? And I'm not talking about a woke pronoun. Not that there's anything wrong with the woke pronoun. Like if you identify as a he or a she or a him or a her. I'm talking about when you're talking to yourself, switch from I to you. Because that expands it. When you say you, you're doing great. You're wonderful. You need some sleep. Blah, 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 blah. Instead of, I need, you know, it takes you out of your head, but it also, you're still addressing yourself, which is kind of self-care, but you're expanding that by saying you. And this way, you're, it's easier for you to tell some, uh, support, be supportive of someone else. Say, you're wonderful. You're doing great. You can say those things about you. You're wonderful. You're doing great. Well, this is the end of the show. Um, I guess today is the day I want to do the conch chatter thing, but I don't chatter. I don't have any interviews yet. So I better, I guess my need now is to learn how to add another podcast to Anchor. Otherwise, I'll just be starting it on this Uh, on Spreaker because I'm still using Spreaker to come up with my podcast before I get adept at using Anchor at creating my podcast. Well, I'd like to thank you for listening. Have a great day and I will be back. Not tomorrow though. Tomorrow, most certainly. Tomorrow's my double day. But I will be looking forward to talking to you again. Have a great day. Bye.